Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is September the 2nd, 2015, and welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. This will be a great show for all of you, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. Here with me is life coach, author, mentor, and entrepreneur who's been through the trials and the tribulations, but she still calls herself the lady, and she she even has named her coaching program after that, Still the Lady, which will and also addresses the unique needs of former pastors and ministers' wives after a devastating divorce from her husband, who was a pastor. And she has navigated through all that pain and humbling process now to just to rediscover herself and her purpose. And she's here to help you rediscover yourself and rebuild your own life and live out your life purpose and dreams on your own terms. So do call in at 347-426-3751, and the chat box will be open for you. Ross, it is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I was excited about the opportunity. Oh, this is amazing. I mean, you have actually been through the trials and tribulations, and I don't think any of us can imagine how that felt at that time. Explain, what was life like before you even got divorced? Well, as a pastor's wife, it it was really, um, you sort of lose yourself uh, being married to a pastor. Many women go through that struggle with trying to remain uh, authentic, but that at the same time trying to support their husband and the ministry. And so for me, the that was never the pastor's wife role was never uh something I wanted as a matter of fact uh I would pray to God even before marriage like lord i just don't let me marry a pastor <laughs> you know i just don't want to marry a preacher or a pastor and lo and behold that's exactly what happened um uh, but god knew and was preparing me mentally uh along the way because it it was very interesting that even before we were engaged, God had revealed to me that uh, we would be married, and he had also revealed to me that he would be a preacher and a pastor. And so um, that was how it started for me because, again, I'm an introvert by nature, so being in the public eye was something that, you know, I avoided. And a lot of women, you know, avoid who don't seek out that, that type of um, attention. So it was a difficult challenge for me, uh, first of all, transitioning into that role. And when we first were married, he was a, um, a preacher. He was in seminary. You know, we went through all of that. But by the time that he was called to this church to pastor, I remember being very, almost resentful because I remember telling God, this is not what I wanted. You know, how could this happen? This is not what I wanted. 
But once I finally relented to God and just surrendered, I was actually able to walk in that role with joy. Uh, I remember probably the first one or two years when he was a pastor, most of the members didn't even know who I was because I pretty much was, you know, I went in, I usually sat at the back, and I left. You know, I was still trying to wrap my head around this life change. But once I was able to um, come to the forefront and just accept my life as it was, accept what was the gift that was that was given that God had given me, I was able to walk in it. And it was it's also a struggle because as you're walking through it, again you're trying to re- remain and figure out who you are. But then you have the people in the church who are trying to define who you are. Right. You know, they're so accustomed, particularly in the black culture and the black churches, they're accustomed to, um, you know, the first ladies wearing hats and gloves, sitting on the front row, maybe playing the piano, maybe directing the choir, you know, all of those things. I was none of that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just totally uh, against any of that or, or any suggestion of it because it just wasn't me. That That would have not right. been me. So just trying to be myself and um, with all the expectations that church members have for you, and even beyond the church members, even in your own marriage, because what happens is, uh, in my situation, my husband at the time, he would see what other pastor's wives were doing. Oh, they do this, they do that, they go here and they go there. Well, I wasn't them. You know, I wasn't trying to be like them. I had, uh, we had small kids, you know, children that we were raising. And so my whole focus uh, first was them, taking care of them, making sure they're uh, getting the rest that they needed for school, helping them with homework late at night. But yet in the midst of all of that, I still found myself um, building my life still that revolved around the church and his ministry. You know, the schedule, whatever the schedule was, it revolved around what program was going on at the church, you know, what time, what day, and everything just sort of revolved around that. And so I I just found myself just being lost in that. But it it, And a lot of women, a lot of um, pastors' wives, they do – face that same challenge because, again, you want to honor them, you want to support, but at the same time you also want to be yourself. You do, and that's a lot of demands. you got the demands on his time, you feeling elected, and then that weight of the whole ministry brought upon yourself. Did it ever once bring you to that breaking point? Like, this is is it, this is enough. I I cannot do this any longer. I love you, but it's too much. And like you said, you got your pit. You got all the peers, the the ushers, everybody looking at you. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting is that it wasn't so much the church or the expectations from the church. Mm-hmm. It was the it was the conflict we were having in our own marriage that was the struggle. Okay. And that's what. Uh, a lot of pastoral couples deal with, you know, um, many people don't realize that uh, based on studies, you know, from Focus on the Family and Fuller Seminary and Barner Research, 
that there are 1,500 pastors that leave the ministry every month due to moral failure, uh, spiritual burnout, or contention in the churches. And 50% of those pastors' marriages will end in divorce. And so while people don't understand that it doesn't just affect the pastor, it affects his wife and his family. So the But the struggle that we faced was within our own relationship. And so if that had been intact, whatever came from the church was easy because, you know, we were a team. And we went through a few uh, struggles. We had some issues that uh, or battles that we had to fight together as a couple, and we stood strong together uh, in support uh, of, of one another. And so when that was, when we were on one accord, when we had, quote, unquote, a common enemy, we were great. But then once we got home behind closed doors, that was when things fell apart. So it wasn't the ministry or the work of it itself. I do remember one particular time in my life um, mm-hmm. as pastor's wife, because I am a, a, a teacher, a Bible teacher. I love the Word of God. I love teaching it. And I remember in uh, our, I was teaching a, the some of the ladies, and there was this resistance that uh, I was getting from them. You know, they're, they're, I didn't understand it, and I didn't know why, but there was a lot of resistance where they seem to be, you know, pushing back. Because when I teach the word, I get very passionate about it. I get very right. passionate um, because I'm teaching God's word, not what I say, but what God says. And I remember going through a period of feeling reject, rejected by them. So I made up in my mind, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Since they don't like what I'm saying, I just won't say anything. And so for uh, a couple of months, I just kind of, I backed off, you know, I went to whatever meetings, didn't have much input, and so I just kind of uh, showed up, was just existing. But then I remember very clearly that I was at home one one day, I think I was getting ready to go to, to a meeting or something, and there was just this voice, voice, I know who it was, the voice of God, that you know, within my spirit that said, you're exactly where the devil wants you to be. He wants to oh. muggle you and shut you up, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you're doing. And when I got that revelation, that changed everything for me. Then I began to use my voice again because now what I realized, it wasn't about me. Their battle wasn't with me. Their battle was that, that struggle, that internal struggle that they were having right. with, the you know, their life, the life that they were living, and what God said. And so from that point on, I began, you know, to walk with boldness and speak with boldness um, in my teaching and about the Word of God. And so that was the only real struggle at that time, but every other struggle was internal. It was between my husband and I at the time. We were having issues. We could not be on one accord. Even uh, teaching a class, we could not be on one accord. We saw things, you know, differently. And I do attest a lot of that to lack of prayer and devotion Mm -hmm. at home. And that sounds strange coming from a pastoral couple. You think pastors, uh, they pray all the time. That's just expected. But from the research, 
70% of pastors, they don't even open a Bible unless they have to preach. Right, right. And that is, <laughs> you so, know? That is so true. And, and they yeah. have. It's a, it's statistics out just like that. Some of them, you know, they, they look like they have that ability to embark and stand on a Sunday and then they, and on the Saturday, I mean, then they preach the word on Sunday while thinking anything is actually wrong. And I see pastors on most on Facebook cutting up and you like, you're a pastor, what church again? Mm, I don't know about that church. Right. But but you are so right. It it takes growth, it takes time to get into that growth with God. And we and I and I, I do agree with you on that too, Ross. Most people do look at you as the pastor's wife and the pastor. Oh, they're doing everything right. No, not all the time. They have things to work on too, because we're still we're still human. We're trying to get into that spirituality, and it takes that takes strong. Oh, it takes a strong bond to just stick with it. If you find somebody who's doing right all the way, then congratulations. But I doubt it's stronger. Right. Yeah, and that that is so true because I think. We, um, you know, the church forgets that the pastor and his wife are human. They mm-hmm. need help too. They have the same struggles in their marriage relationship that uh, right. that other couples have, especially with the divorce rate being, you know, fifty percent among, you know, amongst pastors uh, as well. And so, the what I I do what I do to be the voice for the former pastors and ministers' wives who have, um, whether they, it could be that they're not in that role, like I said, because of moral failure. It could be because of divorce. It could be that their husband burned out, you know, and they're just no longer in the church. They're, you know, I've talked to several women who have experienced that. But the challenge for for the former pastor's wife is that, particularly in divorce, he will continue in his role as pastor. Nine times out of ten, he continues his role. Right. But it's the former pastor's wife, his ex-wife, who whose life is turned completely upside down and have to start over. And I remember, even before, uh, even before I was married, I remember asking the question. There was just this sense of awareness. When a pastor, when I would hear about a pastor that divorced, it was like his wife or his ex-wife just disappeared. And I would always wonder, where where did she go? What happened? You know, no one talks about it. Uh, the, the church doesn't. They just try to shuffle it under the rug, quote, unquote. But her life matters, and she is worthy of love, of God that she's going to get anyway, but if the church is going to be the church, let the church step out, step up, and show her some love as well. Right. And so that was the uh, impetus, even for me starting my life coaching program, because while I was going through my divorce, I searched and searched for resources that could address my unique need um, coming from that role and trying to transition. And I just could not find any help out there. There were, as a pastor's wife, they have the pastor's wife conference, the first lady conference. You know, they have the pastor's wife, you know, the breakfast. And uh, they have classes for the pastor's wife and minister's wife. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine and dandy, and they are great as long as you 
or in that role. But when you're not, then you no longer qualify. So where do you go? Yeah. Yeah, I became ineligible for everything. All my resources that I looked to for support were no longer available to me now. And and it wasn't even my, my, my choice because in in my particular situation, it was um, my, my husband, my ex-husband, he's the one that wanted a divorce. And so here I am, you know, having to, without any decision or uh, communication or conversation with me, he had already made the decision in his mind. And I'll never forget those words. That was a defining moment for me because, again, it changed my life. It it brought me to where I am today. And those words from him were, I prayed about it. I'm ready to move on with my life. So I'm following mm-hmm. the force, and that was it. And so those were the words that changed my life, you know, for the rest of my life. And so I had no say-so in that. And so even though I had no say-so in being the a former pastor's wife, yet I'm no longer eligible, <laughs> you know, for all those resources that I once was and had access to before. So it was quite a challenge, and, and that that's why uh, my coaching program, Steal the Lady, that's how it was birthed, because I may not be a, a first lady, but I am but still the lady. lady. And so that's right. the concept behind that, and, it, and it's to help encourage other um, former pastors' wives who, may, who, who feel and have felt rejected, you know, from the church, or society, or even family. And so just to kind of help build them up and realize who they really are, because they are still the lady. That was a position. And actually that title, First Lady or whatever, that's something that was the church gave anyway. It's nowhere in the Bible, <laughs> you know. No, and not. Yeah, even all these expectations that we put upon the uh, pastor's wife, it's man-made. It's not from God because the wife, as a wife, again, her allegiance is to her husband and her children. And then all that, all the other stuff, whatever comes comes after that. But the church has placed such pressure on uh, the pastor's wife to, quote-unquote, perform, you know, and to be um, – like when they hired some churches when they are looking for pastors, interview the pastor's wife also, you know, as if this is a two-for-one thing. Well, no, if he's the pastor, if you're looking for him to be the pastor, his wife just supports him in what he's doing. Right. Yeah. I think, And I think a lot of people assume that you're supposed to take on those those roles. It's kind of like a two-for-one deal. Okay, I, um, you go teach Bible study. You play mm-hmm. the piano. You need to be in the choir. Now you got to teach the children. you got to lead this women's group, et cetera, et cetera. And it feels like if you're not doing those certain things, then it's kind of almost like 
you're being set up for unnecessary criticism. Like, I cannot do all that. I am a mother and I am a wife by the end of the day. All those extra roles that you're trying to give me is not working. They put so much, to me, the church put so much expectations on the first lady, and we can all imagine probably what the first lady goes through with Obama. Every yeah. day, there's right. Everybody had a certain expectation. She stepped out, and it's oh, that dress is too tight. Come on, she's still a woman by the end of the day. Who cares how her hair is? That woman is a black, beautiful, educated woman. We put so much standards on her, and and yeah. and, and, and it's it. it, it huh, I didn't think it was that much pressure, but listen to you, Ross. It is pressure. I would have to say I'm relieved not to be a pastor's wife. Too much pressure. It's a, it's yeah, a it is. It is pressure. Doors. And it and is. I think the church, um, I don't think they realize how heavy it can be. And it's what magnifies it, again, is when the couple, when the pastor and his wife are not on one accord. When he's not there to be the buffer between her and the church, then she feels all the brunt of it. If he's not there, if they're not on one accord where he's building her up, where he not only uh, is the buffer but where he uh, also gives her the attention that she needs as well, as much as he does the church. Because um, one of the things that that uh, is, is clear that I, I felt, I talk about it, in my e-book that's online, Five Truths uh, for Divorcing Pastors, to Encourage Divorcing Pastors' Wives. And yes. one of the things that I mentioned is that you're, you know, you're married to the pastor, but he's married to the church. And a lot mm-hmm, of times mm-hmm. that's the case in that in what we as humans perceive to be a devotion to God, becomes a devotion to actually people, the people in the church. And right. so many times the family, uh, his family is neglected uh, many times because his devo- his first devotion becomes the church and not his family. And so many pastors struggle with how to um, make that balance, you know, how so that he can meet his needs at home but also, you know, at the church being the pastor. And it is a challenge. You know, if you don't have a support group and other pastoral couples around you who are encouraging you to do it, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. It is. You have Mm -hmm. to have that support. But one thing I do like that you mentioned in your e-book is the fact that you are no longer married to a pastor. It doesn't mean God is through with you. See, that was just the first circumstance. See, and what people fail to realize, we all have our seasons. It prob- I mean, maybe your season is probably for 10 years. It probably was a long, good season. But now that season mm-hmm. is over and it's time to move on. And a lot of times we bring people, people bring people into their seasons thinking, oh, this is the right person for me. No, that person was meant to come in, give you a message, and move on. That's how the fall is. Well, in the summer, they come in and they back out. Oh, the summer here, but some of you choose to go into winter and still keep wearing shorts. You can't keep doing that. Mm-mm, you got to right. change. You got you to put on your, your gloves and stuff, but you want to wear them sandals on outside, so you don't want to change your season. And that's the problem with many people. But 
I do admire that about your book so much. What what at point, Ross, how did you go about rebuilding your life? Oh, that's a very good question. I was, to be honest, initially I was just lost because, again, I was looking for resources and there were none available. I was looking. I didn't even know where other former pastors' wives were. I didn't know who they were or where they were. But what I found was that I, and it's, I, I tell people I hate to sound churchy, but at the end of the day, I knew that if I was going to get through it, I had to lean and depend on God totally. I spent a lot of time in my word, studying the Bible, reading and allowing it to minister to me, to speak to me, to speak to my heart in my brokenness at that time. And one of the things that um, I found that was a, a challenge was actually finding another church home. There are some women okay. who, because of their bad experience, you know, you know, after a divorce, you know, because of it, they become totally uh, turned off by the church, you know, because there's a lot of anger and hurt and bitterness there. But I knew that if I was going to heal, I had it, it had to be from inside out, and I needed to be fed. So what I did was found a church where nobody knew Roz, nobody knew First Lady Roz, nobody, you know, knew my husband was a pastor, and I found a church where I could go and just be ministered to. You know, no one expected me to be at all, you know, this meeting or that meeting and show up here and show up there. But this that was my season of healing and restoration. And so as I went to church, and some people might call it a pew member, but I was in the hospital. I was sick. I was hurting. Oh Definitely. Mm. It, you know, it was very devastating. It was... Um, I had no idea what my future would be. And so, and it, because it all changed in an instant. It changed. My, my whole life changed in that instant. And so I knew that I had to be in a place to be able to hear from God and allow God to heal me. And that was my starting point. And that, that was the strength. That was where I gained strength in order to just go one day at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, one day at a time. And over time, I began to be strengthened spiritually where I was able, you know, to to stand on my own. The other challenge is even finding a church because you have to remember, once you've been married to a pastor and been in that circle of pastors, Your name is not... You, well, you get you know a whole lot. You get to see okay. what's real and right. who's real. You really get to see. So now the question is, how do I find another pastor or trust a pastor to pastor me? So that was the first issue. You know, knowing that they're human, knowing that they're subject, you know, uh, to fall, how do I do that? And, again, that was just just – checking out different churches, listening, you know, to their teaching, and just observing. And if the word had to be solid, and for me, it's all, it all goes back to the word, because at the end of the day, the word is the truth, and that's the one thing that will not change. And so 
going, you know, just dealing with that struggle of finding a pastor, find, you know, and finding a church and being okay to be able to allow him to minister to you. That's huge for former pastors' wives, you know, who who have been in similar situations as as I've been. But that was the impetus and that was the starting point. And see, I love the way that you just focused on God because we, most of us have the intention to always say, oh, the devil did this, the devil did that. Let's stop giving the credit to the devil. We don't mm-hmm. want to give him credit. He's not right. winning anything. He's not glory. Let's give the fact that God take us through these trials and tribulations, and sometimes we don't know. And I think one of the most difficult parts of the Christian life is the fact that becoming a disciple of Christ um, does not make us immune to life's trials and tribulations. Right. And, and you feel... Why right. you feel like I don't understand God? Why are you doing this? And I know probably many women who have been in your circumstance, even myself included, question that. And the one thing I always, the only answer I always give to people on most of my previous shows is this answer: Give God the keys and let Him drive. If you, yeah. you have to trust Him. If you trust Him enough, give Him those keys. Just the same way a child trusts themselves to get into your car and. Let you drive them. You have to do the same thing. Absolutely. The one, the main scripture I call it that really kept me sane during that time was Romans eight twenty eight. All Ooh, things yes. work together yes. for the good yeah, of those good. who love God, yes. who are called according to His purpose. And so I leaned on that daily because I had to believe that this. Yes. Even though it may not feel good, it's working out for my good, and there's going to be some good come from this. And right. I believed God for that, and I had to trust him that this is working out for my good and it's going to get better. And that's the word that gave me hope to get up every right. day and keep going. And see, that's, that's it, and that's all it means, that the trials and tribulation he allows in our life. They're just a part of the working together of all things that good. Therefore, just for them believers out there, all trials and tribulation must have a divine purpose. It's a purpose. Yes. You've got to go through something or to get to something else. It, 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 it's beautiful. And, and I didn't understand. I'm almost about to cry because I went through it when I had a house fire, and I couldn't see nothing else, Ross, when I went through that. And I was everybody kept telling me, oh, you're going through it. It's, it's for a reason. It's going to get better. And in my mind, I'm like, I lost everything. I mean, I know my children are alive, my husband alive, and I am too, thank God. But at the same time, my heart was broken. I was like, this was my home for five years, and now I'm seeing it burnt down. Like, where am I going to go? And I couldn't think of nothing else, but I know that he was taking me through something. I even let my emotions come out on a guest at work, and I was like, that is not me. I had to go and breathe. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing better now. I've been blessed with twice as much. I have a home. My children yeah. are in a, in a decent school. So, I mean, it take it takes you down at first, but you got to be. You have to remain strong. You have to. Yeah. It is. It's a fight and it's a bite. But what I want people to do, I want you to make sure that you stay on and do not fight to change this station or change your internet connection whatsoever because we're going to come back with Ross and we're going to talk a little bit more about her book and also uh, her upcoming book that she will be having coming out as well. So stay tuned. Don't touch that dial.
thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. I wish I was in school. I wish I was in school. I wish I was in school. Summer isn't fun when you're hungry. If only I had a big test today. Or a book report to give. Give me a math quiz. Give me some homework. If your child relies on free school lunches, we can help provide them with free meals this summer. I'll stay after class. I'll clean the chalkboard. I'll keep my desk real clean. So they can stop worrying about food and start focusing on fun. I'll do extra homework. I'll clean the class pet's cage. I'll skip recess. School might end, but free lunches don't have to. I wish I was in school. I wish I was in school. If your child relies on free school lunches, we can help provide them with free meals this summer. Visit feedingamerica.org slash summer meals to find your local food bank for help. Once again, that's feedingamerica.org slash summer meals. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. We're back with Ross, honey, and we've been talking about the trials and the tribulations. And, of course, however, you know, trials, they develop the godly character, and that enables us to rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, and hope. And that's what we need today. We need that hope, and this is for all you women out there, regardless of your pastor's wife, or whoever wife you are, you need that because divorce can be the hardest thing. No one wants to hear those words. I hope I never have to. But if you do, you have to know how to rebuild yourself up and move on. Uh, what um, Aaliyah said in her song, first you don't succeed, push yourself off, and you got to try again. And those are true words which still remain. But with her book out, too, that you can find on ebook. Five Truths to Encourage the Pastor's Wife Facing Divorce, which is a dealt to straight to the point book. It's get to the point telling you how not to just give up, to still carry on. Yes, you probably was the pastor's wife, but now you are still the lady, and you can still be that lady. So, uh, Ross, what made that divorce or that marriage different from any other marriage? How so? Well, the the marriage itself um becomes strained again when when the couple when you're not on one accord, when you're not uh and it's not even a matter of supporting one one another, when you're not able to deal with the issues authentically. Because one thing that I did and that a lot of other pastors' wives do, they wear the mask really well. Mm-hmm. So no one knows you know, I, I remember the day that we sat our children down to tell them that, um, you know, we were getting a divorce. And my son, he thought it was a joke because he what? had no idea, uh, because I hid so much from him. Right. But in, And so that's one of the things is that because there is this expectation uh, in the church of this perfect relationship, this perfect marriage, that there's a lot that's hidden. There are a lot of secrets. There are a lot of secrets, and which means that there's a lot of hurt. So there, there were uh, a lot of things that weren't dealt with in our relationship, and I've, I've seen it in others as well. 
And so you just didn't talk about it or you didn't tell anybody else about it. You don't want anybody to know that, you know, y'all are Christian and you teaching and preaching all of this and you having issues, you know. So how would that look? So, you know, and it's, to be honest, it would look like you're human. See, we think people are going to judge the pastor and his wife as being hypocrites. No, you're human. Mm-hmm. And and in that humanness, you have the same issues and struggles, you know, and uh, desires, whatever is everyone else. But during right. that divorce process, it was when you are married to a pastor, when that relationship ends, you're not just mourning the loss of your marriage relationship. It's the loss of the relationship you even have with that church. You know, you because many times, just like like myself, uh, the women, the pastor's wives, have really poured their lives into that church, ministering to the people there. And so it gets to the point, I remember several people telling me, you know, I really hate what's going on. I hate to hear that I'm so sorry. I love both of you, and I don't choose sides. I'm not choosing sides. But mm-hmm. ultimately, they do. They have, you know, mm-hmm. they do because they still. And they're going to most likely go with the pastor. Right, and and they still support him, but those same people yet never gave, you know, never called me, never sent me a card, right. never just checked on me. You know, so all of this, I'm, I'm sharing all, all of this not to um, badmouth the church because, again, God created the church. And he created marriage, and it's all good, and it's still still is all right. good. But to bring enlightenment on what's going on uh, in our churches, so that there can be true healing. Because if if the pastor and his wife and his family are not doing well, guess what? The church isn't either. I don't care what it looks like on the outside, but if they're not well, the church isn't, and your community isn't. And so it's a trickle down effect. And so when when the when the head can get in order and in line, then right. that I mean it goes back to what God says in His Word. You know, how can a man rule a church unless he rules his home well? You know, so that's why that's so important. But when when they get in line, everything else will flow. And so it's to bring enlightenment on those who are out there who are actually hurting, who need help, don't take it for granted that the pastor and his wife have it all together because statistics say that nine times out of ten, they really, really don't. Because 77% of pastors, they say they don't have a good marriage. I mean, 77%, that's high. And they have admitted and said they don't have a good marriage. 40% end up having an extramarital affair. You know, and it's it, it's just said that thirty percent of them they they have an ongoing or one time encounter with one of the members in the church. Right. Yeah, and so all of that's going on. It's 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 again, it's not to bring condemnation, but enlightenment that we need help. There's some things going on that we need to address and correct so that we can be. Uh, better as 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 a church, church people, better as a, a community. Because, again, when the family falls apart, your whole community is falling apart. We see it now in the world and what's going on. But, you know, having that struggle 
of um, particularly going through that divorce process without any support. And one of the things that I had to deal with uh, coming from that, that role when you're going to when you're a pastor's wife and you're going to the pastor's wife's conferences and all the meetings and pastor and minister's wife, one of the overarching themes is that you are called. It's like you are called to this. You are called to do this. And Without so my, to say so. Yeah. And so my struggle was, well, now that I'm no longer the first lady or pastor's wife, am I no longer called? What does this mean now? What was I called to? You know, so what does this mean for me? So that was a real question I had to struggle with in rediscovering my purpose, my calling, and my purpose. Because, again, it was all so consumed, my life was so consumed within the church. And so one of the the other things that a lot of um, pastor's wives, former pa- pastor's wives struggle with, you know, again, is finding a pastor, trusting a pastor to pastor them, you know, or even trusting God because they become so angry with God and the church itself that they're willing to just turn their backs. And that's not what we want. There is still hope. There is still help. And they can still uh, have those relationships in a healthy, authentic way. And so um, just going through that process it really, you know, going when when I said Romans eight twenty eight became real for me, because I am in such a, a much better place now. And it was when I say that spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, you know, in my relationships are so much better right now. Now I'm not saying I'm glad I got a divorce. I would never say what? that because actually, uh, you know. Um, Friends and family have asked me, well, Roz, if he never would have filed for a divorce, would you still be with him? And my answer is yes, because the marriage covenant is that important to me. The covenant that I made with God was always priority. And so that always trumped whatever I felt, quote, unquote. And so while I am divorced, I am not an advocate of divorce. I'm an advocate of marriage. I still believe in marriage. And when it's done right, it's a beautiful thing. And so while my marriage ended in divorce, it even though it was not what I wanted and it was not what I chose, having gone through it, I'm still better fight of it. You know, and so and and that's the thing that I want other women to other understand that life will get better. It gets better, and it can get better. You just have to do the work, and I did the work. I was willing to do the work because I knew, based on Romans eight twenty eight, it's got to get better. And so I had to put myself in position and in places to be open to receive, so that I could be better. Right. Exactly, and I, you know, I know that's not something God prefers with divorce, but sometimes it has to come to that point. And I love just your your positivity through all this, Ross. You're not bitter. You're not upset. Hey, it happened, and it happens to the best of us, and 
Some of you might be getting it right now, but that does not mean that you have to just fall off the map and close yourself off and hide in your house forever. It's still life outside of that home. So, Ross, I know that you have helped other people as well. What are some of the areas or challenges that one or maybe a couple of your clients have faced that you were able to help them with? Oh, one of the things um, um, from one, I remember one one young lady in particular as she was going through, and and this is the deal when you have children especially, is learning to trust God to handle the pain that your children are experiencing as well. Because you have to remember when children are going through it, they go through it with a different from a child's point of view. And so their mindset about God, church, pastors, you know, that or whatever can be very skewed based on, you know, whatever experience that they have. And so um she was just really lost with with her her kids on you know what to do because see I'm not one to no you you're not going to badmouth him in front of them that's not what we do no you're not going to do that you know but to help them build a relationship with their father as a result of it and while she may not agree with everything because at the end of the day children need their fathers they still mm-hmm. need their and so to be an encourager to help them have a good positive relationship going forward. You know, and this same this same lady that I'm thinking of today, she is now remarried. And it's you know, it just makes me giddy all <laughs> over because that's that's wonderful because when you can get past your baggage and the hurt and the pain, the love is still there. Love is still available. But now you can go to uh if if you choose to uh, enter another relationship, you're a different person now. So that relationship, the relationship that you're in today, will be so much greater because now we've walked through, as I walked through with her, like who you who you really are. What is it you're really called to? What is God calling? Uh, what is your purpose and passion in life? And so just walking through those things and watching her live it out is just really, really exciting for me. You know, she gets to live it, but I get to sit on the sideline and watch and cheer her on and say, yay. <laughs> and so it, it's just a wonderful thing. I know that's right. Being, her, being the hype man behind all that, that's got to feel grand. It's, it's so rewarding when you can make others feel happy and see their happiness. That's where success comes from. Um, mm-hmm. So now that we have this ebook out, now also, Ross, um, not getting off the subject here, but a little bit more about your other book. Um, I think it's called Chocolate and Diamonds. Also, that you have. Yes, yes. Um, it's and um, how do I say? It's actually part of a an anthology. You know, so it, it's a project with the 100 authors, 100 women from around the world, and it's Chocolate and Diamonds for the Woman's Soul, which will be released on September. 13th in the Kindle version. Uh, so people who are interested can pre-order today, so that way it's, it gets downloaded to your device on September 13th. For a dollar. For a, For a dollar. dollar. Now, me personally, I don't mind, but, Roz, I'm not going to tell a lie. I love the feel and smell of a good old paperback book, so I'm waiting I on mine too. now. 
Yes, I, I'm waiting on mine to October. I'm a little bit old school, even though I'm an 83 baby, but I love the old school. I just, I like having that feel when I'm at work. I can go to the back when I don't have tables to serve, and I can just read a book instead of just pulling out my phone and using up all my data. I can, right. I can pull out that good old book, put my bookmark in there, see that? Because that's where I came from. I, I had a whole, oh, my God, I had over 200 books on my bookshelf. But since mm-hmm. the house fire, I said I'm going to start off real slow with books. Mm-hmm. Very slow. Make make sure I actually read them and then go get another one. <laughs> but right, I right. Just, I, I definitely want that. I just I love the cover. The cover really attracted me to it, and I love pink. And yeah. I think if if you're a woman, that book would definitely attract your attention. Just the picture of those two different color women, mm-hmm. the different shades of color on there. That pink is very attractive. It is. Yes, it, it's a great project. The publishers did an awesome job. And so the paperback will actually be available on October 4th because I'm just like you. I like I like to have the book in my hand as well. I like to be able to take it with me, pick it up, highlight, take notes, go back, you know, and read. And so that will be available October 4th. And my chapter in it is actually the title of it is It's a Good Day. And this uh-huh. one, it's really special to me because – Uh, I share a particular day in my life that was very impactful for me, actually me and and my family. And so I think the readers will be able to relate to it and uh, also be encouraged by it. But, yes, so that will be uh, available. The paperback will be available on October 4th. And, again, the Kindle will be released September 13th, which people can go go uh, out there today and pre-order. Uh, I, I have a, this is my second book project because my first book project was called Reposition for Change, and listeners okay. can actually yes, see that. Mm-hmm, yeah, they can actually purchase that a copy of that through my website at uh, www.buildyourlifeagain.com, and the title in uh, of my chapter in that one is The Making of a Dream. And this one was my, being my first published work, was really special because it really gives a glimpse into my journey and it gives the readers hints on how I got to where I am today. And so I think that's another one that the readers will enjoy. But uh, they can get that one through my website, buildyourlifeagain.com. Oh well, Roz, it really has been a pleasure. But I want to ask, I want to ask this question: Why are there times when God may seem silent or absent in a believer's life when you probably need Him at the most? Well, at the times that God may seem silent or absent, it doesn't mean that He is absent or that He is silent. Sometimes we need to be still and listen. Because we need God at all times, and we have to learn to actually listen for the voice of God. Because in our humanness, we want what we want. We're selfish creatures by nature. And so if we're looking for God to answer or show up in a particular way, we're going to miss him. We will miss him. But if we're open to hear and to receive however God shows up and however he speaks, that's where the blessing really is. Because it's, 
many times in in the simple things, it may not be in a grand way, uh, you know, as it says in his word, sometimes in a still, small voice. And when we are in those times of difficulty, it doesn't mean that God is not present. It doesn't mean God is not there. Many times God is just building our spiritual muscles. And so while it's uncomfortable, you know, we don't like it, but again, God's primary purpose for all of our lives is holiness. And whatever we have to go through or endure to prune us, to get us ready, to uh, make us more like him, he will allow those things. Because I find in my life and in all of our lives, it's during times of adversity and extreme uh, pain that draws us to him. That's when we look for him. That's when he want, we want him. But that's what draws us to him is during times of adversity. And that's the best place to be is at his feet during that time. So he's there. Don't ever think he isn't because he is. And sometimes we have to fight our way back because of how we have deserted him. And when I say fight our way back, I remember at a time in my life where I went through a phase where I've kind of just put God on the back burner. I was still going to church. I was, you know, still doing uh, Sunday school or whatever. But I was, I had put God on the back burner. And I found myself in, in a place where I didn't know how I was going to get back to him. I would open my Bible and look at the words, and it looks like Greek to me. It really did because I had not picked up my Bible and, and you know, read or spent time with it in so long. And I vowed I would never be in that place again because God had not left. He was already there. He stayed. I was the he one just, who, drift, who drifted he waited, off. Right. He's waiting on He's waiting on you. He's at your front door still waiting, and a lot of us have that front door still closed, but he's always going to be there. He's just waiting. He probably right now think I'm just, I'm just waiting, yeah. and I know you talking to me too, God. I I got to get myself back to that point too because I, I have. I have slid away, and I keep standing on my shoulders, but I really actually got to do it. I got to spend my time in that Bible, get back into the Word because I know my mother wouldn't be proud of me doing that, and she's still living the day. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, but I got to get myself back. We be hard headed. We do. We some yeah. hard headed creatures. That's why he. That's our God is so funny because our God yeah. is laughing at us. You hard headed, foolish children of mine. You don't want to listen. You still want right. to do it your way, and that's why nothing never prospers because we so hard headed. Right. But that is so true. Why? I just want to say. Well, I want to say this. Although we are, although you may be in that spiritual battle. Saint has no authority over the believer in Christ. God has given us his word to guide us, his Holy Spirit to enable us, and the privilege of coming to him anywhere at any time to pray about anything. And as 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 says, he has also assured us that no trial will test us beyond our ability to bear it, and he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So please believe that today. Rod, Amen. I thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us because, hey, that's, excuse me for saying, but it takes big balls to do that, you know, when you're all on front row. But that's what makes you stronger. That's why you still the yeah. lady. You still got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed our time together. And so I just me thank too. you for the opportunity 
for uh, to put my story out there so that people can know and hear, and most of all, they know that there is help available. They don't have to go through it alone. So there's they someone don't. there who's done that. You don't have to do it alone. And you can and you can always find out more information if you don't remember the site. Just remember this: you can go to www com. I hope I didn't put too many W's in there. But Roz will be there to answer any questions that you have. You can check out her books, um, The Five Truths to, to Encourage, um, excuse me, to Encouragement. And also make sure that you look out for her books. It's out right now, um, September 13th, Chocolate and Diamonds for a dollar. But also if you like me and want the paperback, hey, it's coming out in October. So make sure you look out for Roz on that. And we'll be looking out for any future um, books that you'll probably have coming out. And, Roz, I really want to thank you, and I bless you in your future endeavors. Thank you so much. Bless you, too. You're so welcome. And before I leave you listeners, my truth of the day for my friend Mary Ellen is this. To see truth, you must look without prejudice, expectations, motives, or judgments. You will never understand anything truth or otherwise, while you hold opinions, assumptions, and judgments about others. Allow all of these to fall away. Then you may begin to see truth. When you begin to see others clearly, make sure you look at yourself first. By acting in this truthful in this truthful manner, you could teach what truth is. Truth is simple. It's truth. You could teach your children and other people in society truth by acting out and living a truthful life. You cannot profess truth and live a life of lies or deceit. The universe, God, will turn your lies to seed around and throw them right back at you. Always practice living in truth. Today, practice looking at everyone without prejudice, assumptions, expectations, or motives. Live in truth and enjoy the day, everyone. God bless. I'll see you on this episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 